Last week we talked about the idea of how God is coming to earth as a baby who is also an unexpected gift. And, and then we talked about the frailty of infancy um, and how that does not match how most people view Christ. It's unexpected. It doesn't fit to us. But today we're going to take this a step further. Uh, today, if we can get past the audacity of an infant king, uh, we still have to come to terms with the audacity of God in human form. Because it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, does it? See, at first glance, Jesus looks and appears like an ordinary human being. And make no mistake, Jesus was fully human, but he was also fully God. And the problem that many people have and had and still have with Jesus is that all they see is the humanity of Jesus and not the deity of Jesus. We've all run into this problem, especially at Christmas time. See, let me see if I can, if I can paint a picture for you, okay? Um, imagine it's December 24th. I'm sure it would be warmer than it is right now, right? But December 24th, uh, all the good stores are closed, right? They're all, they're, everybody's closed down. And so you are now shopping at Walgreens, or if it's really late, you're at the gas station, Right? Right? I don't want to raise hands on who's done this, but we'll, we'll just go with this, right? And, and you see it. You see the perfect gift for that loved one. You're so excited that you actually found something this late at night, right? And so you grab it. It's perfect. And so what you do, you rush home, and, and lucky for you, you know, they gave it to you in a, you know, paper bag, so you really don't have to wrap it. You just put a couple tape on it, and it's fine, right? And and you take it home, and you put it underneath the tree. It is ready to go. And on Christmas morning, when the one that you loved opens it up, and they see a can of Hormel chili in a funnel, they say to themselves, this is the perfect gift, right? Right? Has anybody ever received a funnel or Hormel chili as a gift, Right? Because right? it makes sense, right? Because you can, whatever. And so, and, and when they receive that gift, you, you learn a very, very important lesson, don't you? Right? You learn that sometimes we get gifts we don't want and we think serve no purpose at all. And like, maybe like fruitcake. Fruitcake is a gift you don't want and it serves no purpose at all. Um, fruitcake tastes the same in December as it does in July, as it does in November. It never changes. That's because there's a high alcohol content in fruitcake. It serves no purpose. It never spoils. Ever. Seriously, it will never, ever spoil. We've all received gifts that we don't want. And most of us swallow down what we really think about that gift, right? And we smile, we say thank you, and we hope that you never ask about it, right? We hope that you never ask, so what did you think of the funnel? It was great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, did you enjoy that chili? It was great. Thank you so much for that, right? Sometimes we see the packaging of it, and we groan because we know what it is. Uh, and we just know that this is something that we're going to be Gift, re-gifting to someone else, right? And this is what happened when Jesus was born. The Jewish people had been hearing for generations that the Messiah was coming. The prophets had told them over, told them this over and over again. The Messiah would come and save us. The Messiah would come and rescue us. He would restore us. The Messiah would come and defeat our enemies. And he would put us back into God's glory. And the Jewish people were ready for this. They were ready for a conquering king, but they were not ready for a swaddled baby. 
And because of this, most people rejected Jesus because he was not what they wanted. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 11 tells us this. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. God, Jesus, the Messiah had come as promised and was rejected because he didn't meet the expectations of his own people. They didn't recognize him as Messiah. Now, make no mistake, Jesus was recognized, but just not as Messiah. King Herod recognized Jesus as a potential threat. And so because King Herod saw him as a potential threat to his throne, he killed all the young babies, uh, all the baby boys two years and younger. The, the pagan wise men, and, re- and realize that, like when you see the nativity story, you know that those wise men, they were not Christians, right? You get that, right? That they were pagans from a far off land that had no understanding of the God of Abraham. They were just, they saw something there. Uh, um, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't believe in the God of Abraham. They found him. They worshiped him. They gave him gifts. Just so you know, those same gifts are probably what allowed Mary and Joseph to flee to Egypt as refugees when King Herod started killing um, the children. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Um, but, you know, that gold and myrrh, for instance, that's probably what they used to pay their way uh, to escape. The shepherd recognized that something happened because the angels had told them Jesus was recognized by a few, but not by all. Even those few who did recognize Jesus, they did not receive Jesus as the Messiah. See, Jesus came as a gift to mankind and was rejected and put to the side. Think back in your life when you've received a gift that you didn't really want. We sort of put it to the side, don't we? We sort of thank you so much. You're so grateful when you unpack it, when you unwrap it, and it's there on it. But as quickly as you can, you put it on the shelf or in the closet, right? Or you're thinking, ah, oh, finally I got something for that white elephant party that I'm going to later on today. N.T. Wright tells us this. This is a central problem which dominates the whole gospel story. Jesus comes to God's people, and God's people do what the rest of the world do. They prefer darkness to light. And sadly, I wonder if that describes us as well. There is good news, though, and it's found in John 1.12. And that good news is this, that but to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And my friends, this, this is a good news that we have to grab onto, that if we recognize that Jesus is our Savior, our Messiah, if we believe and accept that, him, then we gain the right to become children of God. This is a gift to everyone, and it doesn't matter where you're from or what family you belong to. It doesn't matter about your past mistakes or your present situation. All that matters is that we receive this gift of Jesus. And yet, many of us still struggle with this idea of receiving the gift of Jesus because, you see, receiving is not just referring to the act of getting something because anyone can get something. Receiving, in this instance, is referring to the way that that gift is received. It means to take that gift internally, to hold it inside of us, to let it change who you are at your very core. It's a very personal and very intimate gift. Think of it in the context of, of marriage. Anyone can go out and, and anybody can go out and have sex or become emotionally dependent with someone else. But when you make the decision to be married, you move beyond the physical and emotional aspects and you enter into an authentic relationship where you are loved. 
where you embrace, where you delight in each other's company, and you are forever changed. Right? You, you are forever changed because of that. And this should be the response we have when we receive Jesus. That we don't just accept him, but that we receive him fully into our lives and into our authentic relationship in which we, are, we love, we are embraced, we delight in Jesus, and are forever changed. You know, I'd argue that far too many of us simply accept the gift of Jesus, but never fully engage with it. We never really open it. And here's why. Jesus stays in the box because he doesn't fit what we think Jesus should be like. And instead of living a changed life, we hide this gift in the closet of our lives, and we keep living like nothing has ever changed. Our hates, our prejudices, our opinions, our unholy thoughts, they still rule our lives. We still cuss people out when we get mad. We still cut people off at the grocery store. Uh, grocery store, not just on the roads, in the grocery store, right? Because how many of us have saw the lady with the four carts and done everything we could to get in front of her? I have, right? Um, how many of you have been the lady with the four carts? I've never been the lady with the four carts, but I've had four carts, right? Uh, and so you get this. We do whatever we can to make it convenient for us. We, we still complain about everything that doesn't go the way we want it to go. And many who call themselves Christians do not act or respond like Christ because they are so wrapped up in their own opinions, they have never taken the time to think about what God's perspective on something might be. Maybe you think, well, I guess that's, that may be your thoughts, John. That may not be true, but let's take a simple test here on this. Let's see if this is true. When you hear about some tragedy in the news, whatever it may be, is your first instinct to judge the people involved or is it to pray for them? Do you criticize and condemn the people involved or do you cry out to God on their behalf that he would bring them peace? Do you try to analyze the circumstances that would create this situation or are you broken for the hurt that people are having? Do you gossip with your neighbor, whether it be in person or on Facebook, about what you think or feel is right or wrong? Or do you plead with God to intercede, knowing that only he truly knows the situation? See, when we see these situations, if we rely on our own opinions rather than turning to God, then the harsh reality is we're simply calling ourselves Christians, but we're not allowing God to change who we really are. We're never actually receiving the gift of Jesus we just accepted it and put it in the closet for when we think we might need it. And I think that's the reason for this. I think the reason for this is because many of us um, never move beyond this Christmas Jesus, this baby Jesus. Let's be honest about this. We all love the idea of a plump little baby giggling and cooing in a manger, surrounded by loving parents, wise men, shepherds, and various animals that, of course, do not smell, and are perfectly behaved, right? We love that idea of that perfect, bubbly baby boy. We like Christmas Jesus because he is cute and cuddly and non-threatening. Conversely, Christmas Jesus is completely different than crucified Jesus, isn't he? See, crucified Jesus was treated like a criminal, he was whipped and beaten beyond recognition. He had thorns pressed into his skull. He was marched through an angry crowd that yelled at him, that spit on him, that threw things at him. He was nailed to a wooden cross and died a criminal's death. 
that is not appealing to anybody. It really is not. We would much rather focus on the cute, cuddly baby Christmas Jesus. The problem is that Christmas Jesus and crucified Jesus are the same person. Let me read John 1, 10 through 11 again. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. And it's really hard to understand how the world could have rejected Christmas Jesus. This cute, cuddly, sweet baby with rosy cheeks. He had to have rosy cheeks because, I mean, it was in a manger, and so it might have been a little brisk. You guys all have rosy cheeks, so I have to assume that the cute baby would have that too. It's not hard at all to understand how the world would have rejected crucified Jesus, a broken, beaten, bloodied, long-haired, bearded man. The Christmas Jesus and crucified Jesus were the same person. And the prophets, they only spoke of Messiah. They didn't know the difference between Christmas Jesus or, or crucified Jesus. They only knew of Messiah, uh, this one person of Jesus. And here's what they said about that one person of Jesus in Isaiah 53, 3-6. through six. They say that he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He is despised and we did not care that it was our weakness he carried. It was our own sorrow that was weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. When you hear that, your mind goes back immediately to crucify Jesus. But the prophets, they couldn't tell the difference. They just knew who Messiah was. And they saw Messiah was both Christmas Jesus and crucified Jesus. And can you see now why his own people rejected Christmas Jesus? They couldn't see how crucified Jesus could ever be the same person as Christmas Jesus. How could this sweet baby boy just born, who had done no wrong, be the same as this crucified Jesus. They just couldn't see the connection. And so everyone rejected him. The Jews rejected Jesus because he was not what they wanted. The Romans rejected Jesus because they hated the Jewish people. The Romans wanted to be at home with their families, and instead they were stuck trying to police this rebellion, this uprising. And that's the reason why Mary Joseph had to go to Bethlehem so the census could be done so Rome could keep track of who everyone was and weed out certain troublemakers. And over the course of the next 33 years, Rome tried to control this violent region, and hundreds and probably thousands of Jews were crucified. See, the Romans had no time for Jesus. He was just another Jewish baby. There's probably going to grow up to be a Jewish man they're going to have to have problems with. And it's the same story because most people won't give Jesus a story because they just don't like Christians. Uh, they, they won't give Jesus a chance because they, they, like they don't like Christians. Most people are not interested in church because, uh, not because they are atheists or don't believe in the Bible, but because they've met a Christian and somewhere in their life story, they have attached being a Christian with being hurt or judged. So why would they ever come to a place where they're going to be hurt or judged again? And because of this, they want nothing to do with God. And they have no time for Jesus. They have no time for the Bible. They have no time for the truth. They have no time for anything. And they've written God off because they don't like God's children. 
And the thing is, people are still rejecting Jesus today. Maybe you're like the Romans. You just don't like Christians. You know, you're here, but you don't want to be. Maybe you feel obligated, but you don't want to be associated with the church. Maybe you've been hurt, wounded, or scarred. Maybe maybe you think that the church is, people are, are hypocrites and self-righteous. And you know what? That's probably true in some sense because we're all broken people. Wrinkled, torn, messed up, not perfect. But we are all working on it. So don't let what you see in other Christians keep you from following Jesus. Maybe you're like the Jews, that Jesus just doesn't meet your expectations. You made a decision to follow Jesus based on some idea that you heard, but then life turns out harder than what you think it should be. Or maybe Jesus doesn't save you the way that you think that you should be saved. And, and you don't want Jesus anymore, so we sort of write him off and walk away. Because what kind of a Savior would allow a loved one to, to suffer? What kind of a Savior would allow a house to maybe go into foreclosure? What kind of a Savior won't save a marriage or won't save a child, um, won't give a child? And we ask ourselves, is Jesus really real? Because all these problems I have, they just seem to be beating up on me. In, in Jesus, I thought it was going to make life easier for me. And the only way Jesus, our, as our Messiah, as our Savior, makes sense is if we understand what Jesus came to do. And that is this, Jesus did not come to save us from our problems. He came to save us from hell. Do you get that? He didn't come to save us from our problems. He came to save us from hell. I, I don't know if that's, I, I think that is a profound understanding there that, that we want Jesus to save us from the problems that we have in life. You know, make it easier for me. Make it so that I can afford my, um, my car payment. Make it so I can afford this here. Make it so that things work smoothly. But Jesus came to save us from hell. Luke 19.10 tells us this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And make no mistake, without Jesus, we are lost, completely, utterly, and hopelessly lost, without any hope for now or eternity. Jesus knew what he was saving us from. And even when we didn't recognize it, Jesus did. He did not come to save us from our temporary problems, but from eternal punishment, from spending eternity separated from God. John 16.33 tells us this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And Jesus knew we'd have problems. He, he told us that ahead of time. But he came to save us from our world, worldliness so that we could spend eternity with God in heaven. Listen to what Matthew 1.21 tells us. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why Christmas Jesus came as a baby, and that's why crucified Jesus died a criminal's death, to save us, his people, from our sins. I'll close with, with one final thought on this. Sometimes we think a gift we receive has no value until we realize how much we needed that gift. That's sort of the way it is with Jesus. See, I understand this, and that is, I need Jesus more now than I ever did when I first received him. I, I do. I need Jesus more now than I ever did when I first received him. In his book, Not a Fan, Kyle Adelman puts it this way. 
For a long time, I understood I was a sinner who needed a Savior. For a long time, I didn't realize I'm an awful sinner, and he is an awesome Savior. Make no mistake, Jesus is coming back. John 14.3 tells us this, When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. But that only happens if we receive Jesus. And if we let Jesus change who we are at our very core. And make no mistake, it is a gift beyond all gifts we've ever been given. But we have to move beyond simply accepting Jesus and truly receiving him as our Lord and Savior. That is the gift of Jesus. Not just to save us from our problems, but to save us from hell. And we don't talk about that much, but we should. Let me pray for you today. Dear Lord, help us to have an understanding in our lives, in our, in our hearts, of what you are saving us from. Help us to understand the love, the joy, the peace, the kindness, the compassion, the grace that you've extended to us and how that changes us, Lord. Help us to be people that know without a doubt that we are more than just received you but we have accepted you and brought you into our lives and changed us completely at our very core. And that you're continuing to change us. Help us to glorify you in everything we do and everything we say. And help us to not be so concerned about the temporary problems that we have, but rather be focused on an internal perspective. Thank you for sending your son to us so that we may receive this gift in your name. Amen.